0: All right. <laughs> welcome to the Big Story Podcast, uh, where we have great talks with great creators. And today we have a phenomenal creator, Linnea Sterta. Totally screw that up, but I'm doing my best. Um, and welcome everyone who's listening or watching. Hi, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing okay. I hope
1: I hope the sound quality is acceptable here. It's just like my laptop. yeah
0: your headphones headphones make a huge difference they're they uh they they probably way better than me um we were just chatting about the uh the the brilliance of the uh turn of the previous century painters and how they they had it locked down they figured out as you said well i think you called it the apex or the pinnacle of uh
1: (laughs) i I think i said they peaked which is like a very internet way of saying that i guess (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's, you know, but I mean, it is, int- I mean, it is interesting because you follow that and, you know, stylism came into play after that, you know, we had, you know, we had cubism, pointillism, we had any form of modernism, uh, you know, expressionism, all these kinds of things really came in after these sort of these, the series of painters who really kind of nailed that formative work. And then everyone says, okay, well, <laughs> we did that. What else can we do? <laughs> And I think that's a, I think that's, you know, so I think that was an interesting kind of like transition that, I've, and you know, you kind of think about it cause it, it kind of parallels, you know, the the industrial revolution, you know, so we really, as a, as a species began, you know, creating on a larger scale and factories. So I think they're kind of stopped being, I don't know, like, I mean, like maybe just the world wasn't a very stable thing anymore because it wasn't just, an agrarian society of people, you know, farms and whatnot, and now you've got all this industry. So maybe that's why people started searching internally, you know, with their artwork, um, you know, with with the different styles of painting Mm. and art. I don't know. It's a very deep conversation. Yeah,
1: I mean, I guess that's, like, where you get to art as, like, this self-expression thing or, like, trying to capture exactly what you see as you subjectively see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was thinking about like the ancient Egyptians or something, like right. it wasn't like they kept drawing these exact same characters because they weren't creative, but like the art had like this ritual purpose. Mm-hmm. And they were drawn in this way to like, you know, you have like the profile of the head. Yeah. It's like you can clearest, or most clearly see the nose Yeah. And, like, so yeah. they, they had these poses for these characters that were like the most legible and clearest. Yes. They weren't like that interested in like what things actually look like, but more how do you capture them? Like, represent, like representation. Yeah, and that was passed on as like this almost ritual thing. And then you have like, when this more individualistic society starts happening, mm-hmm. you have people trying to more capture their individual ways of seeing, I guess. No. I feel like, I, I, I don't know, speaking out of my ass here, but... <laughs> <laughs> no. um, or can, can, I, can I say cuss words?
0: You can you can swear away.
1: Oh, yeah. nice. Um, no, but like this uh, sort of, this idea of like the modern artist that's like maybe like the 19th, 20th century, mm-hmm. that's like this more individual creative Genius or something, versus like older, more ritualized yeah. styles, you know. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of like where where that peaks, and then, I, I mean, I mean the the thing about like trying to capture what stuff looks like, and then it goes into overdrive in like the subjective way. Mm-hmm. I I don't know how to express this, but you get like later on you get people. Uh, how how do I say this, like more of this obsession with style over like experience, if that makes sense.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Like more stylistic experimentation instead of like having the purpose be to capture what you're seeing. Yes. So, so you had like this, this place where it peaked in like, in terms of trying to actually represent stuff. Mm -hmm and then you drift on into like, okay, now we've done this. So now it's like all this stylistic experimentation. Right. And I guess people, I don't know what people are doing now. It's easier to talk about stuff in hindsight because well, you're like-
0: yeah. I mean, like that's, I mean, that yeah. is- like, you can, Yeah. You
1: can sort out the, the peaks of something yeah. and just look yeah. at those and ignore all the stuff that doesn't fit your thesis oh, for, or whatever. Oh, and for like, sure. I was- I, impressed I, and It's I harder to come up with a narrative.
0: No, it's it's super tough it's super tough because you know we we don't have the luxury of being able to see everything you know we, we feel we can because we have these boxes and whatnot in our life that we feel we see everything but we really don't know what it is until we can turn back and say oh that's what everyone was kind of feeling or doing you know and that and it's yeah. not truly really what they are it's what we all kind of like somewhat agree on or somebody who has a phd you know from a university writes a paper or a book about this and mm-hmm. we well, that seems good. We'll we'll accept that as the answer. Um, yeah, because we don't we you know because like nobody's saying, you know like I don't I mean I guess the expressionists said hey we're expressionists like they said that they were expressionists I don't know mm. maybe they did um, but like nobody is like stating I'm this at the moment yeah. and, you know we have we have street art we have you know Banksy and the the crew of people around Banksy doing street art of of some sort of social commentary but. Mm. I, you know we don't and have-
1: you have all the street art people who feel like Banksy is overrated, which I feel is kind of a common opinion among sure. them.
0: But- I mean well, of course I mean like I mean like you're gonna always take a shot at the biggest the biggest you know yeah. out there. You're like well yeah. that,
1: that's <laughs> that's like the difficulty of like trying to pin something down as a movement, you mm-hmm. know? Like yeah. when people talk about street art then the first thing you think about is Banksy but then there's probably like a ton of street artists who would be really offended.
0: Right. that like it's right. just
1: looking for attention or something
0: yeah and i mean and, and you know everyone has their different reason for doing it so like it's like so to lump it all in a street art is not fair to everybody because not everybody is doing the same thing that everyone else yeah. is. they're all trying to express something different um yeah i don't know i mean but so i mean it'll be interesting to see like 20 or so years from now what is happening mm. you know now because it's-
1: it's easier to lump people together in, in retrospect, when, especially after they're dead and they can't protest.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the easiest way um, to do it. They can't fight back. That's
1: totally what I've been doing in like the past few minutes. And yeah. I shouldn't be talking about art history because it's really not something I'm knowledgeable Wait, about. Wait,
0: you're not a, yeah. I thought you were an art historian. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, that's funny. Um, so. So I, so I I kind of came upon your work through, um, you know, a person who I just love and respect to the end, you know, the end of the world, which is Glenn Murakami, the artist and animator, um, and he loves your work. And so he was
1: pages wanted to buy from me? Shit. I have a long to-do list of to stuff that I've for Like it's three months or something.
0: Right. And um, and Glenn's, you know, Glenn's brilliant and he's really just a wonderful person. And um and you know, so when I saw him, you know, I saw him sort of what he wrote about, I was like, oh wow. And so I started looking at your work, and I'm just I was I too was blown away. And I said I need to speak with her like because I was just really really intrigued by what you were doing um so because your your work has a very strong printmaker quality to it um and it has a very strong um graphic quality to it and it has a very strong kind of I want to say almost watercolor quality to it in in many ways and there's this sort of hybrid mixed with comic book work, you know, you know, very interesting comic book work that you're you're doing and you're kind of putting this all together. So I, I'm really curious at how that all evolved, you know, to where you are now. So um, when did you first pick up a pen?
1: Oh, that was mm-hmm. like, since I was a kid. Yeah, um, my mom was, uh, she was a printmaker and graphic designer. So okay, that... so I
0: ticked two boxes right there. Yes,
1: but... I, I, I grew up sort of on her work table. basically. Okay. She, she freelanced so mm-hmm. um, so I guess I've just been drawing since I could hold a pen basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, then uh, I mean obviously a doodling in class and
0: yeah not, when you're not you know, to be.
1: not doing schoolwork
0: yep. well.
1: uh, And then uh, I studied uh, I mean for the longest time I wanted to go into animation
0: okay
1: um so at first i think i tried to apply to sheridan in canada and then uh, i didn't get in there so i took this classical drawing course at the animation workshop in denmark just like doing a lot of nude drawing and shit. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then i got into CalArts. arts oh okay Yeah, so I I was there for a couple of years. And I think, uh, you know, it's like with the stage magic, (laughs) almost like when it's explained to you how it happens, it's like, uh, I I guess to some people it becomes more interesting and to other people it loses the magic. And I think to me, animation just kind of lost its magic the more, you know, Mm -hmm. I found out about it. And I guess I just had this anxiety over like fitting into this industry, (laughs) which I I mean, I have, I I think I'm sort of flexible in terms of the styles I can do, but also like I'm inflexible in terms of what I actually find fun to work Mm -hmm. with, if that makes sense. Totally. Um, So I was in my second year at CalArts when uh, the guys from pow uh, this Swedish publisher mm-hmm. uh, contacted me and they were just like oh do you do you want to do a comic and I was like sure you know okay. <laughs> and I think I think at the time I was like oh I can do this over summer vacation like I'm just gonna make a graphic novel over summer vacation um I had the you, you know like uh, the the crazy amount of work that goes into Mm -hmm. traditional animation. So I I had an image of comics somehow being easier or like less effort, which turned out to not be the case. (laughs) Um, So I ended up taking a year off to do Stages of Rot, the graphic novel. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there was like petty fighting with my roommate over you know roommate stuff <laughs> so so after that i just kind of got stuck in sweden and okay. i've been uh, i mean i've been doing a bit of animation work and i had my second graphic novel that i did that one was mostly over last summer actually yeah. so I, I did manage to do something over a summer but um that was not out yet due to the paper shortage it should have been out in february and if froggy book
0: yeah Um, (laughs) i i I grabbed some of the images from the uh so this book here
1: oh yeah the the frog book
0: yeah no it's it's the the, uh the the whole sort of presentation is phenomenal
1: oh yeah it was kind of wild because i at first i wanted it to be soft cover and feel more like a like a flip book oh cool yeah like the format is very Storyboard inspired. Mm-hmm. I think I was like harkening back to like this era of like extreme uh, productivity in college where like I would sit there in my little cubicle and drink Mountain Dew. Oh, wow. Well, in America. Sure. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, sharing out like 80 little panels of storyboard in yep. an evening or something. So I wanted to see if I could like capture that that sort of thing but then I got too absorbed in like what I wanted the art to look like Satan so that taking way longer yeah but but it it looks okay so well yeah. I, think, yeah I think it had a lot of flow in like uh, the actual storytelling of it so
0: so the, the, so it's interesting I mean it's interesting like I so I have, a, I have a very close friend of mine who I went to art school with whose daughter <clears throat> now it, just started Cal arts so oh. she so she's in her first year there. Oh, bless her. Yeah. And she's ridiculously talented. Like she's one of these crazy talented, mm. you know, kids. And, you know, she had the benefit of having a very talented and very thoughtful uh, father along with a wonderful mother. And, you know, he gave her some amazing advice, which I think he said when he was on our show was he said, listen, for every, maybe he said it to me, I don't remember, but he goes, for every one thing you want to draw, like, so if you want to draw somebody's character or something, like, you want to draw Spider-Man, let's just see Spider-Man, everyone loves Spider-Man. Um, said, he said, like, for every one of those things you do, draw 10 things from the real world. And, you know, and it was interesting, because what you said earlier about, like, how we as individuals perceive things. You know, we, we were talking about artists, and that's really what I think what he was trying to get through to her, is mm-hmm. that You it's your perception of what the world looks like, Um, you know, in terms of when you're drawing your sibling sitting on the couch or the table or whatever the thing is that you choose to draw. And um, so now she's uh, she's out there. She's doing animation, I believe, maybe. I don't know. Um, She Mm -hmm. has a 90 second spot that she's trying to produce. Uh, And so I put her in touch with my godson, who is a uh, composer because she needs someone to help compose some music or something so Hmm. um but it's kind of crazy how that all you know but it's that's a really interesting school with some very interesting it's very it's a very um it's a very hardcore school like oh yeah it's really
1: definitely have something that they're kind of pushing you towards like it's very they wanted to get out into this industry Right. But, I mean, there's also also a lot of life drawing and whatnot. So mm-hmm. there's definitely like an observational part to it.
0: But you, so, but I mean, so I mean, clearly, like somebody contacted you, to say, "Hey, you want to do a, a graphic novel because you've shown that you you're you have an interest in." in... I mean,
1: I had a bunch of stuff on Tumblr that was just right. like random drawings.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I actually don't know how they decided I was going to be a graphic novelist. Like, hey, you. <laughs> um and i I was actually i was really nervous about this because i mean i i do read a bit of comics i think around the time i started working on stages of rot i was very into you know uh, like the prophet comics Mm -hmm. that came out then like the really spacey ones with like there was a lot of artists collaborating on those so that was kind of an inspiration but i'm very like out of touch with American comics, um, well, a bit less out of touch with manga, I guess, and a well, bit less out of touch with French comics. But I've never been like this deep comics right. geek, you know. Yeah. So I was kind of like, what What am I doing with this medium? <laughs> you know? well, that's interesting.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a I mean, it's a brave act if you think about it, because you just. I mean, you're young, so it's easy to be kind of brave when you're young because you don't oh, yeah. <laughs> look better. Um, but it's also that thing of like you I mean, but clearly, do you I mean, do you feel it was more you being sort of I don't I don't know if you were I don't know, disheartened with where you were in the in the school process or were you looking for a way out, or were you like, uh, Oh, think I really want to do?
1: I guess I guess it was like part of being disheartened. I think it was, like, because when when I was a kid, I had this, like, image of, you know, oh, I'm going to be a director, and I'm going to, you know, be, like, how do you say this, like, more of a high-level creative sort of person, like, not just, like, a storyboard revisionist or something. Right. Because, I mean, I was kind of full of myself. (laughs) Sure. I mean, 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 I'm still still full of myself, but uh, I I felt like, you know, I was going to accomplish something like that and then you get into like the more you learn about what it takes to make an animated series or an animated movie it's mm-hmm. like it feels like there's so much socially going around that's like how, how do you how do you get people to do what you what you want them to do you right. know how, how do you get the money for these projects and mm-hmm. like so so much of this managing aspect that i felt like uh, i mean i have sort of mild autism. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I I was starting to wonder like how how could I get away with that sort of personality in that setting and like with my stress tolerance like if so many people are depending on you like how what what happens you know when you totally burn yourself out which I felt yeah. I was probably going to do at some point. Um so I guess it was like this thing of wanting to make something just by myself Mm -hmm. and I think in in comics it's a lot more feasible obviously I mean of course there are people who have just like sat down and animated like almost an entire movie or something but that's like you you know such a big process (laughs) you know so that's intimidating on its own Mm -hmm. so I guess it was just like this feeling of okay this is less intimidating medium and I grew up sort of reading, I mean, first like stuff like Asterix and Tintin, oh, and whatnot. Yeah. like a lot of French comics got translated into Swedish for a while, less so now, but there, there, there was an era. Um, and then uh, I guess also a lot of manga, because there was like an other era when a lot of that got translated into yeah. Swedish, which also isn't happening as much anymore. Um, and I... I mean, once I learned English, there was also like a lot of, you know, whole world of stuff you can read. Oh, for sure. Um, So it felt like something I was semi-familiar with Mm -hmm. and something that's easier to do as an introvert, I guess. Um, So, but then it was like, uh, how, how do i say this when i started working on uh, on a comic for PAO, because i started trying to do something a lot more like with a clear storyline more
2: okay.
1: writerly you know sure <laughs> if that makes sense yeah um and realized that i'm just not in control of the medium if mm-hmm. that makes sense
0: right uh well, i mean what was it what were the things that you felt you were budding like you were sort of struggling with were you struggling with how to like write the story with words that balanced with the the artwork to make it as sort of like elevated as you wanted it to be
1: I think it was like uh like a facing thing almost oh
0: okay. you know
1: like you don't really have a sense of what sort of flow you're gonna get with this text and this number of panels and what it's gonna read like mm-hmm. I feel like when you get into animation, it's sort of the same thing. Like you draw these drawings and you feel like, oh, this is going to be like so, or so, or whatever. Um, And then you actually play them, play them back. And it's, you know, a totally different movement than what you imagined. And you have to do that over and over again before you get a sense of like, you know, when you draw these pictures, what sort of movement are you getting out of them? Um, I think comics had like a similar thing where, I would like sketch up little thumbnails and write down text and whatnot, but then like actually trying to read through it, it didn't have the kind of flow yeah. that I wanted, like things just flew by too quickly or, you know,
0: that's, you know, that that's interesting. Cause that's actually pretty, I think that, I think that's a bit common, um, you know, in many aspects of storytelling, because I know that like, like I write, I write prose and, often i will get like feedback from people reading it on you know passages they will go like like it seems that you know the response kind of goes like it seems to me that you had a lot of a lot of this already in your head but you didn't put it all down here like because it it very much became shorthand what i was writing thinking you know because you because it's all up here and then you put down on paper you're like yep that's that's telling the story to me because you already know the story but the thing the other person doesn't know the story so you have to really kind of grab their hand and walk them through the story so
1: yeah, when you're so absorbed in in your own world it's like that world mm-hmm. makes sense to you so yeah. I mean, yeah that's something i'm still kind of struggling with like remembering that other people don't know this you
0: know? <laughs> right that i mean that's that really it is really the kind of that creative thing and i think that's like there was a you know there's a great there's a great there's a great comic book adage i think it was I think it was Jim Shooter from Marvel Comics in the 80s who said this was that every comic is somebody's first comic book. And which was a really like it's a very powerful thing to say. And I think that can go for everything. Like every everything is everybody's first something. And yeah. you need to kind of always kind of bring people in and kind of walk them through it. And and I, I had a great boss who once said to me, I've stressed, we were stressing over something for some big thing. And because we it wasn't perfect, you know, the thing wasn't exactly the way we all intended it to be. And but it was serving the purpose and it looked great and it was do it was good, but it wasn't perfect. And the boss came up and he said, Listen, always shoot for the best that you can do. Because but the the secret sauce is is the person who's walking through the door to come in here doesn't know what it's supposed to be you know what it's supposed to be. They don't know what it's supposed to be. They know what it is. They see it. That's what it is. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like it was a great reframing for my, for my mind. Um, and I think that's like, you know, you kind of couple that with everybody's something is their first something. If you can be kind and give them the road, the, the street signs to get them to where they need to be for whatever the thing is. And, But don't kill yourself thinking it's got to be perfect you know like do it do it to your best of your ability in the time that you have to do it Mm. um yeah that was kind of a thing
1: yeah Yeah. i think that's kind of how studios the rock resolved itself like i gave up on this idea of making a comic book you know (laughs) because i had this very clear image in my head what like what what is a sci-fi comic supposed to be you know um And then I started, like, I don't don't know, I I was sort of hearkening back to being a kid and, like, faking being six, I could stay home from school and, like, watch nature documentaries and whatnot.
2: Um,
1: So I just kind of gave up on trying to make it a conventional story and Mm -hmm. be this thing that I used to do when I was a kid, which was, like, just inventing dumb animals and, like, some ways for them to, like, struggle in nature and die dramatically and whatnot. Um, <laughs> and well, that, that's sort of how it became a book,
0: you know? Okay. So, I mean, so, I mean, but that's really, but that's interesting because, like, you know, hey, 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 I'm pretending to be the big, big shot, you know, uh, publisher here. Hey, hmm. you want to do a comic book or you want to do a graphic novel? Now, like, not everybody has a story to write. You know everybody you know, like lots of artists could draw a graphic novel hand them a script and they'll do the job mm. um, but not every artist would be like oh sure i've got a story um and it's you know it's interesting because i mean being an animator you probably had in your head an idea of like hey i want I, to want, you know i want to do my studio ghibli movies you know i want yeah. to i want to <laughs> create my stories you know from scratch and, and make those magical worlds of my own so those worlds are populated by something up here in your head. So were you tapping into that, which you, which was you know your childhood, you know fantasies of drawing animals struggling in in you know, in weird environments. <laughs> uh, but like, is that like, is did you do that? Is that where you kind of went to when they said, "Do you want to do this?" And you said, "Yes."
1: Uh, I think the first thing I went to was more like again, what, what I said this. More structured image of a story, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, because I've had this like weird sci fi idea for a while of like this culture constructing these elaborate temples that I sort of lost their meaning. And yeah. they, they had been like this space faring civilization, but now they were just like using their technology to like partake in this weird ritual or something that was just like this cyclic thing and like an astronaut from Earth getting stuck there and being kind of frustrated with you know why, why were they doing all this useless stuff and I was sort of for like several months trying to shape that into like an actual story with like some intrigues and dramatic beats and whatnot right now, now I'm saying what not a lot I, I don't know where yeah. I've gotten stuck on that dead yeah yes I was kind of trying to like punch that into becoming a story. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think in my head at the time, I mean, I was like 25. So I still had this notion of like a story needing, you know, a twist or like something more of a conventional structure. And I think that was probably like reinforced by going to CalArts, which is, I mean, they're pretty permissive about allowing you to experiment, but obviously also very part of like Hollywood, yeah. And they kind of kind of want you to get that down, you know, the basics. Yeah. And I felt kind of like, oh God, I know the basics, but I'm not using them correctly. And right. I, I, mean, it was kind of lucky in a way that how was, I mean, they were so permissive about me scrapping the original project and just doing something totally weird.
0: Wow, that's <laughs> that's really great. That's. Um, that's super, I mean, I guess maybe they were just, I mean, what kind of, like, what was that call? I mean, what was that? Was that an email or call? Like, what was that for you? Like, did, how did you reach out to them and say, Hey, I, I, I think I want to do something else. Like, cause that's kind of scary.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm really good at giving up actually. I think a lot of my projects have been like getting started on something and then realizing it's not working and then doing something else, you know? Um, so i think it was just like sending them a bunch of pages and being like is this okay and they were like yeah it's okay but can you make this longer and then i i, I think they wanted like something longer and i realized that i just didn't have the material for it okay yeah yeah so that's like when i i just did like an outline of stages of rot and i realized i could like I did have material for that, in the sense that I could write out an entire outline of what was supposed to happen and it made some amount of sense to okay. them. It, yeah. it must have it made sense in my head. But I mean they said yes to it, so I'm assuming it made sense to them at the yeah. time. And then I felt like this great relief that I had something that's you know, like a roadmap for yeah. how to proceed. Because I I am pretty improvisational in the way I work, but I'm also terrified of not having an endpoint to work Mm -hmm. towards. Yep. So it was like, 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 uh, like, once I had this uh, detailed outline of like each of the chapters, Mm -hmm. it got so much easier to just sit down and draw it because it was like, I'm just filling in, you know, the blanks.
0: Listen, the ending is really the. I mean, we all know it's the hardest thing to do. uh, Yeah. But it is the most important thing to have as soon as you can get it. Because Mm. the sooner you have that ending, as you said, you have somewhere to go. Like you can really, like you don't have to waste energy wandering. You know, you can can really focus everything on what has to happen to get to that point. Um, And not Mm. the fact of getting there quickly, it's just a matter of. How do you get there? Um, yeah. What are the what are the what are the interesting steps that the characters are going to make that'll keep the you know the the reader uh entertained, um, guessing if that's your 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 goal, but whatever your goal is, it gives you that opportunity. So mm. um yeah, so it's I mean, but it's it, I mean, I totally like I get that sort of that relief that you were you're expressing. Yeah. When you have <laughs> that because it's like, okay, because I mean you could kind of like you know, be some sort of jazz trumpet player of a, of an artist and just kind of draw your way through something and come mm-hmm. to an end. But, boy, that could take you yeah. a lot. Um, I've been
1: thinking a lot about, uh, like, some years ago, while I was working on a project that didn't go anywhere, I was listening a lot to, like, audiobook versions of uh, A Song of Ice and Fire.
0: Okay, sure. You know,
1: the George R. R. Martin series? Of course, yeah. Game of phone and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and uh, I got really into them. And I think he has this process of writing where he just sets stuff up and then, like, allows it to proceed in a way that feels very organic. Yeah. And, like, listening to those books, it felt like, you know, this was like almost this real world. Like, it was so elaborate and so detailed, and things right. moved so organically. I like the way everything had, you know, consequences for the characters that felt very like natural to their actions. But then, like, I I started browsing, you know, the subreddit, you know, Reddit, mm-hmm. uh, the web page, and there's like a little subreddit for A Song of Ice and Fire, and there were all these really desperate people, and I think I think that was like five years ago or four years ago, and like they were already very upset that there was such a long gap between, you know, the the last book and the next book. Mm -hmm. Um, And they they were, like, coming up with all these absurd theories of, like, what's going to happen and how is it going to end. I mean, now it's been, like, I think 11 years since the last book came out, and he still has at least two more books to write before the series is done. And he's, like, is he 60-something or 70-something? I don't know. He's not even. Like, I I don't know how long I've been like, occasionally checking in on this subreddit, which mm-hmm. feels almost like you have a friend who you know is like really depressed, and you're just like, checking <laughs> in on their social media profile to see right. that they they haven't committed suicide, or yeah. you want to see you know yeah. how, have they found a partner or something? i they be happy. are they finding mm-hmm. some kind of job? This this miserable subreddit, yeah. it's just still ah. there, and they're, they're still kind of waiting for the next book to come out, and. Obviously, people are kind of mad at George Armbarton. And I mean, I guess it's unprofessional of him to not finish it, and I wish he would. But I start to feel this like, because again, I've had like projects that I've tried to get started on and then realized they weren't working Mm -hmm. uh, during the past five years or so. And I start to feel like this almost existential connection with this guy like he was just sitting there and like trying to sort out this absurd universe that he had created there was like i I mean i don't know how like actually meaningful those books are they're mostly kind of i I mean they're sort of meaningful they're they're okay books Um, but but he had like this mess of a universe that he had to resolve in a way that felt satisfying and I, I mean the way he constructed that whole world it just felt like it was obviously not gonna resolve itself into a satisfying conclusion
0: i yeah and I you know in you know you know reading those books you you i don't think i don't think I don't think you should you know no,
1: no I mean if he just like drops dead now, which I hope he doesn't i hope yeah. I hope he writes another book I hope he but finishes- if he were to like just drop dead, it would be like okay, so it, it ends there.
0: You which know. is, which is, you know, kind of. There's something sort of elegant in that respect, and I'm mean, we're, yeah. we're, we're not advocating his his early departure. No, absolutely not. I, I I mean, <laughs> I wish like,
1: him well. <laughs> but,
0: but it's almost it's almost like as if that would be like intentional, you know? Like yeah. hey, like there is no end to this series, there is no resolution because it's life, and life doesn't have a resolution in in some sort of like neat little wrapper with a bow. Like it doesn't yeah. work that way. It, it it's
1: it's Obviously, it's the crazy thing that the original idea for a Game of Thrones was like, it's the aftermath of the hero taking down the evil king and then the hero has to govern and he becomes this bored, like, bad king and then his whole kingdom falls apart into civil war and whatnot. What not? Um, (laughs) (laughs)
0: not?
1: uh, I, I mean, that sort of story, like, the premise of it kind of resists having an ending yes No, now i'm i mean i don't think he was intending to be that literary about it yeah. but it's also not bad in a way
0: yeah it's a it's the it's this sort of like you know the decline of the roman empire you know we have that we sort of have that in our historical documentation you know empires don't end pretty usually no. um and then it's like okay so whoever steps in to sort of fill the gap you know and sort of like Okay, it's a new empire, you know, like I mean, not everybody's on board for the new empire, and you have this whole, obviously this struggle, this power of struggle. and yeah, I don't know. I mean i I I wish him all the luck in the world, you know I mean I, I it's 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 a problem that very few writers end up with. um I yeah. think you know, I sort of think that um Stephen King had it when he did his gunslinger series, like it kind of went on. And I don't know if he really had that sort of conclusion prepared that was that satisfying conclusion that everyone's like, Yes, that's the answer. Um uh,
1: well, Mr. Gunslinger, does that come into the era when Stephen King was just constantly high on cocaine? Or
0: is that it could be. It, it some of it kind of feels like it. Um yeah.
1: <laughs> I've only read the first book. So
0: um, Yeah, no, I mean it's yeah, like I guess that the Dark Tower series. I don't know what yeah. that, that might be what it's officially called, but um Yeah. I really
1: liked the beginning of the first book and then as soon as it started like clashing with like real world stuff, I felt like, no, I just want like the gunslinger to just exist in his poetic fantasy Western world. Yeah. I I, don't know.
0: It was a very, it's very strange. And I I eventually pulled the ripcord at a point, you know, and, 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 you know, and and I, I dug the majority of it that I read and I was like, but eventually I was like, this is not really where I want to be. I'm okay with that. And I can leave with my happy memories. Um, but his book on writing if you haven't read his book on writing called on writing um his absolutely. book on
1: writing called on writing yes My. "On
0: writing by stephen king it is a phenomenal book on right on the subject of writing and um highly inspirational so i would i would i totally would recommend reading that one because it, it'll help in any sort of creative process when it comes to this, coming up with stories and doing your craft um so you know i mean but that's the hardest thing but i mean no i don't want to say it's the hardest thing because i don't want to i don't i mean i've i've i've,
1: I've the hard.
0: i've yeah. drawn <laughs> comics and i've written and i've written um you know and they're both very hard um but the generation of the from the nothing to the something is the, yeah. hard, the hardest part of the process um and that's a it's a, it's a very daunting process for anybody. I mean, and it's like a muscle, the more you work it, the stronger it sort of responds to you. Do you, I mean, I mean, do you just constantly sort of put notes down regardless? Like, I mean, do you consider your drawings notes? Do you, do you write notes? Like, like you, you posted a really wonderful, uh, sketch the other day of, uh, you know, I'm going to paraphrase, like, you know, the nicest house in town, you know, like that, that (laughs) beautiful little cottage or whatever you drew but um but like to me that's almost like a note for a story you know like that thing can live in a in a different version in a in a different world in a different environment um or can spring forth or be a part of something later on um does that work for you like that? Does your sketchbook work as a story sort of? Yeah,
1: creation? I guess the, like a lot of the observational sketches of like little buildings and plants and stuff, it's almost mm-hmm. like I want to like work those into my muscle memory. So mm-hmm. I kind of have that mental library of shapes.
0: The shapes, yeah.
1: You know, um, because I mean, I do I do search for a lot of reference when I'm working. Obviously, but it's also like I, I want to be able to know what sort of thing would fit in in this particular place, if right. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's easy to like, okay, this is going to take place by the ocean. So, like, I need ocean cliffs, but what sort of ocean cliff, you know? Right. Um, and I think it's the same with like trees and cottages, That I, I want to have like a mental sort of. Again, like a mental library of, or a vocabulary, maybe.
0: Yeah, I, I sure. don't. I don't know what would be the no, best. The idea that of that so. vocabulary, because there is, it it is, it is like that. You know, I mean, you're making me think of there's a website, and I think it's still around called Cabin Porn, oh, and, <laughs> it, and it's it's it, it's been around forever. Um, and it's one of these you just go there, and it's just page after page of these really beautiful photographs, of cabins around the world. And oh, yes, yeah. you know, you're like, I just want to live in that thing, you know, because it's so mystical and magical.
1: Yeah. Oh. And there's so many types of everything. I think oh. that's something like that dawned on me when I started doing observational drawing and like, mm-hmm. you know, clean air sketching and everything that like. Because you have like an image of, OK, what's a college and you think of this little, you know, mm-hmm. little triangular or a little boxy thing. But then, like, you start looking at just images of cottages or, so, like, observing them in real life, and you realize how much variety there yes. is. And same, like, you, you're you looking to put a pair of shoes on a character, and you start going out on the internet, like, window shopping for sneakers sure. and websites, and you realize, like, oh, my God, there's so many sneakers in the world. Yeah. So you get, like, almost this, like, religious experience of like there's so much of everything and it's, yeah, it's
0: transcendental like it's a yeah. moment of like okay like, like so anything could be on your feed at this point
1: yeah like you realize there's like just a variety of everything mm-hmm. it's almost uh, there's almost something even when like things are created by people there's something almost nature-like about it yeah there's this wonderful webpage i don't know if uh I'm gonna mispronounce this. It's it's my turn to mispronounce something. <laughs> um <laughs> there's like this occlupanid, I think they call them. Okay. The holotypic oclopanid oclopanid uh, research organization, holotypic oclopanid, research organization. But they've they've created this fake. Uh, genealogy, or like fake, uh, what do you call it, uh, cladistics. You know the way you split species into little yeah. clades and subclades and everything. They've done that for, or a taxonomy, a fake taxonomy, okay. um, for bread clips. You know the little things they put on bread bags. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. They have an entire webpage just dedicated to like Latin names and like different genera of bread clips, kind of That's based on shapes area. and color and like whether there's like little numbers on them. And there's even, I think, a bunch of probably like very bored entomologists or something <laughs> that have gone out and like, okay, it's this area in California, and we're going into this supermarket, and these are the, the species of oclipanid
0: oh, wow. that but... we can
1: find in
0: this. But it's but it's fascinating if you think about that because like they're all they're all solving the same problem. How do you keep this plastic bag sealed?
1: Yeah. But somehow there's like still so much variety of red clips that you can make a whole a whole web page of like fake red clip taxonomy.
0: That's that's absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, you know, someone should do like, I mean, that, that seems like a great poster you know like a hand-drawn poster of all those elements
1: yeah I think I think there's uh because there's also a subreddit dedicated to this I think I mean there's a subreddit for everything Mm -hmm. I think there's like people who have like collected them and you know pinned them up and like written the little Latin name under the bread clip
0: oh yeah Yeah. I I guess it's
1: more like a do-it-yourself thing but
0: sure I think you you could do that with sneakers it would yeah be
1: exactly do that with like you, could, you could like assign Latin names to almost anything
0: <laughs> right because there's plenty of people out there who have the time to do that oh um, yeah
1: sorry yeah. well how do you so how do you like so, I mean you shouldn't but you could you know
0: yeah I mean like that's that that's what a hobby is it's the thing oh, you yeah. should not be doing but you want to be doing um so you so I mean like so I mean you collecting you collected you collect your ideas visually you create your, you you're creating these sort of elements because your worlds are like when you're drawing like in your drawings they are complete like it's this you know you're you're creating the environments you know of what what every what all your characters are sort of dressed in and doing and the places they're going I mean it it's it's anthropomorphic you know because you are putting them in sort of a human type relationships and worlds to that to, to that sense um but do i do, i mean are all like i mean and that's with the animal stuff i mean you do stuff with people too so i guess that's it's it's different so that's where the sneakers come into play um
1: oh you could probably draw animals wearing sneakers too they just they would feel kind of out of place in like the rural yeah sort of countryside frog
0: we've all world. we've all seen the dogs with the little booties on walking in the yeah. snow high-stepping because they're not happy with boots on oh, um, no, i
1: tried to force my dog to wear those he almost bit me
0: yeah they don't like it
1: no, no. yeah like,
0: oh, this is good for you and they're like mm, no i don't want this um so i mean but like do you find your story generation like process hard or inspiring or fun like what is your
1: oh that totally depends on whether i like find something to i guess with the frog story it was kind of easy because i just had this like simple premise of like okay they're animals and fall is coming and they <laughs> want to escape the change of the seasons basically yeah uh, and then this whole story about like a futile journey like these frogs deciding they're gonna swim to hawaii or something right. so they, they journey all the way down to the coast and the then realize it's not doable, and one of them kind of throws himself in the ocean and tries to swim there anyway, and you never find out if he if he oh, makes no. it. Um <laughs> oh. He probably does. I hope so. I think at first I was gonna frame it more as a as a suicide, but then I started feeling like no, he's he's totally gonna make it. He's gonna be happy.
0: I like it. I like um, to think of that that one frog who's 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 going across the Pacific. I like that.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes, I, I hope he makes it. Yeah. But the, it was kind of like I just started drawing these first pages of like the, the frogs having the conversation. about. I don't, I don't know if you've read. The, did you get the PDF or are you waiting for a physical book?
0: Wait, Waiting, yeah. So You're yeah. waiting, okay.
1: Yeah. Because it kind of starts with a conversation between the younger main frog and his, their, her mm-hmm. uh, guardian or like, maybe not the parents, but like the the older frog taking care of them, Mm -hmm. Uh, where the little one finds out about fall and what it is. And then winter comes. Then you're going to be very tired. And the only thing you can do is stay indoor and sleep until things return to normal, basically. And the little frog is kind of terrified that this is going to happen and then meets up with these uh, like randomly meets these two toads who have decided they're going to migrate to the tropics. Uh, I guess in some undefined way, this sort of takes place somewhere in northern Japan. So presumably they were going to try and swim to Hawaii or something. Um, I, I, I was originally going to set it in Sweden or Europe, but then like the logistics of like you have to swim around Africa to get to Madagascar or something, it's it's very hard to get to a proper tropical island from here. Yeah. Um, and it would have been too cottagecore. But anyway it starts out with the the little frog finding out about fall and meeting these toads so i think i drew like 50 pages first and then i skipped to like draw the ending where the little frog returns home so i basically had the start point and the end point the pages are numbered very weirdly i think there was like a bunch of times where like in the last minute there, before they sent out the p not not exactly before they sent out the PDFs, but I think like just months after I finished it, right? I I kind of realized that oh my god, things are in the wrong order because all the pages are numbered very weirdly because <laughs> I made them out of order. Um, so I kind of started with like this very simple premise, and then all of a sudden, end point for it, and then I knew like okay, they're gonna go on this journey. And I Mm -hmm. sort of know how it's gonna end. So then it was very easy to just like fill in the gaps, sort of, and I had like, a lot of flow, working on it. Like, it wasn't the sort of thing where I had to like, go back and redo stuff constantly, because it felt like it was growing very organically like from its start point towards its end point, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like you have a little slime mold in, in one of those little mazes, and you have like a little piece of food and it's sort of working its way. It's going to get there. Yeah, yeah. it's going to get there. So so with that one, I had a lot of flow. Um, but then uh, I think for some stuff, like some of the shorter comics I've made, it's been very like, okay, or shit, I have to come up with an idea and it has to fit this theme of like i mean like a couple of anthologies i've been in
2: Mm -hmm. over these
1: past few years and it's like okay you have a theme and you have a genre and some vague expectation of like (laughs) what people want from you (laughs) and it also has to like because with the frog comic i could just like do an unlimited amount of pages i think it's gonna be like 350 pages or something right Um, so that was, like, I, I could just do whatever, you know? Mm. And if I felt like, oh, things are moving too fast, you can just, like, do two pages of, like, some little gag about noodles or something. Right. And just slow things down a bit. But then uh, with, like, the anthology stuff, it's been more like, okay, you have to come up with an idea and you have to write it down and it has to, like, go through this whole process and it has to fit a theme or genre or whatever and that's been a lot tougher to like you, you know not just yeah. get the impulse of like oh i want to do this but right because you're not have re- someone else demanding something
0: from right. me sit around we don't sit around with like this sort of this bank of ideas that are specific to you know we have ideas yeah. uh, you know i i was i was talking uh with jeremy holt and they were writing a story for, um, one of the big two publishers here in America. And we were speaking about the story and it's a great, you know, it's a great opportunity in the story's real fun, but they didn't have this story, you know, sitting around Hey, we want you to write this story about a specific character. It needs Mm. to be this long. Um, could you use another? Could you use this character to have with this character? It was like I mean, it, because oh the- my
1: god, writing for superhero comics sounds like an absolute nightmare. Like it's- there's so much stuff that's pre-existing that you have to yeah. keep track on. Yeah, they, it- so many characters and
0: it's a it's a it's a it's like it's like borrowing somebody's like Lego you yeah. know and playing with it but you got to return it all back to the way the lego were all stuck together when you borrowed it like you can't really oh my
1: god it. it's such a good
0: metaphor so and that was the, that was what was so you could see how jeremy had struggled putting the story together and i'm really hoping that the story you know comes together the way the way it was pitched and mm. everybody's happy but um yeah it's it's just it's quite you know it's but it is it's a challenge when you're writing for something and that's very specific because that's with a publisher with specific characters. Yeah. You're talking about you know something a little broader, you know, but it's still it has a length, it has to be a certain length, it has to be uh, here's the theme and mm. it has to be in this genre. So you really do go okay, so it so then it's like you're looking through your notes, you're like, "Do I have anything that is anything like this?" you know, like
1: Yeah. It was like last year. I had uh, there was like this anthology, Dagger Dagger. No, not Dagger Dagger. What what am I saying? Cry Punch. You know, back when uh, Algofa was doing anthologies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that one was kind of like, oh, it's a fantasy martial fantasy uh, fantasy martial arts thing. So I started like kind of brainstorming for like, okay, this is what I want to do in like more of a h- how do you pronounce this? which uh which books, yeah uh, uh, more, more like a Chinese kung fu sort of okay. thing which was like the first thing that came up in my head when I heard fantasy martial arts yeah and then like the more I found out like the more emails I got about this project I'd said yes to the more it became clear they wanted like more of a shonen manga sort of thing which is obviously a totally different genre so I was kind of like okay I have to should I move this out of China and set it in Japan? And like, it became this like weird thing of like, I have no idea how this genre works, and someone has decided I should do something with it." And oh. I accidentally said yes. Right. <laughs> and like because I, I mean I used to I used to uh, read the Dragon Ball, and okay yeah, I, I was very into one piece at some point, and I feel like I should get back to that, but it's overwhelming. There's so much of it. Um, it's a great comic, but there's so much of it.
0: You need a 14-year-old uh, to explain it all to you.
2: Just, yeah. Just
1: 14- also, w- whenever you try to talk to another human being who's not into one piece about one piece, it's like right. it's like engineered to make you sound like an absolute lunatic because everything that happens makes sense in context, but outside yeah. the context right. of it, it's just bonkers, um, which is like the entire charm of it, I guess. <laughs> it's like this internally consistent world that just generates this constant madness. Mm-hmm. It all makes sense on its own terms. Inside the
0: storm, it makes sense. Outside. Yeah, of, yeah.
1: exactly. Um, so anyway, but that, that was like, you know, suddenly you have to move from time to way- make a pastiche of a genre you don't know that much about to making a pastiche of a genre you know a little bit more about. Mm-hmm. And I mean that's obviously a totally different creative process from just sitting down and doing whatever you happen Which, to be into whatever because, you want to do, right, yeah, because that kind of comes naturally, but then, like, and I think I try to justify this as like wanting to challenge myself, you know, um but it's it's a much harder process, for sure,
0: yeah, it's. <laughs> You know, because it's it's interesting because like you know I, I think writer you know artists in general have a very different approach to creation than you know other creators you know uh, you because typically they're people who really spent a lot of time in their own head uh, when they were young and but not just kind of holding it in their head they had a pencil in their hand and they were kind of creating these little you know sort of uh, mini worlds however they did it whether it was you know uh full full full-blown comic books or that they were just doing little sketches and it's it's interesting because the the process for someone such as yourself isn't this sort of like okay well i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna just write out a a plot here and there's my script and i'm gonna start like it's a very organic kind of give and take I'm you know at least from my my experience is it hmm. that way with you do you like you, are you finding yourself kind of like you're your own band you're like hopping over and you're playing the piano and then you run over and you play the drums a little bit and you know it, to kind of start sort of bringing the story together as a as one thing
1: yeah i think i started out with like a lot of uh, half ideas okay you know, like, I have I have a bunch of images in my head. It usually starts with, like, some images. Mm-hmm. And then I have to find ways to connect them and make them make sense as a story, almost. Yeah. Uh, so it's usually, like, this jumble of I, I kind of know who this character is. And I kind of know what this place is. Um, and then uh, I guess trying to balance like wanting it to work as a story with also wanting to include the, the images and the scenes that already existed yeah and there's there's always like a give and take there like some of the stuff is just not gonna fit in there in its pre-existing form that was in your head you know yeah. L- like this little scene existed in your head, but then once you start turning it into a story, you kind of realize that okay, it maybe wouldn't be exactly this kind of setting, and it wouldn't be the characters wouldn't behave in exactly this way because of the other stuff that happened before to make it work yep. as a story. So I guess that's like I have these conflicting parts of my of myself in that way, I guess.
0: Do you do you find do you find that you're because I know a lot of um writer you know artists they they write their story with their pencil in a sense they sit down mm. and they kind of they'll thumbnail out their story so they can kind of i think it's so you can kind of get the sense of pacing without having to sit and write sort of you know panel panel mm you can kind of go all right well if i got this here i want this stuff to happen so uh, i could probably do that in six panels or five panels and you kind of figure out like what your your little thumbnails are going to tell the story do you write that way or do you do you think about it and type it down and then
1: i think that's different from project to project
0: okay wow okay
1: um because like with the with some of the anthology comics because I had like a set number of pages and I had to fit the story in there. Mm-hmm. I went like with this more structured approach of like just write down the dialogue, make thumbnails, put mm-hmm. the dialogue in there, and like kind of adjust it to fit the flow of the page. Yeah, uh, and then you know, sketches, inking like this very step by step thing. Um, the frog comic was almost entirely improvised because i was trying to do a storyboard approach yeah so I have like some scenes that felt central to the story and some longer bits of text mm-hmm. i kind of did you know just write them down in not a word document i'm not sure what i have a pages a pages document um <laughs> i think of it as a word document it's like, um
0: it's like it's like it's like a. Uh facial tissue you know like Kleenex is like the big the big kahuna yeah exactly
1: so uh, so that was like because I, I had certain chunks of dialogue and certain mm-hmm. chunks of text that felt central to the story and if I didn't get those right like things would become more complicated or fall right. apart so I had these those bits but then also a lot of stuff it was just like sit down with a piece of paper and draw on it basically okay which so, felt extremely unprofessional at the time, but people seem to like it. <laughs>
0: so. you know, I, I, you know, you know, I listen, I like rigor. Like personally, like I'm, I'm, I'm all, I, I like the idea of rigor. I like sitting down. And I like, I like thinking about stuff. I like writing my notes. I like sitting down and I like typing out scripts. I mm-hmm. like, you know, and all that kind of stuff is, is, I like that process. So I like structure in a process. But I think it's like I, I think, as you said, it's like it, it changes. It's like whatever the project demands or calls for. I think mm-hmm. if you are sort of kind of in touch with yourself as a as a creator, and you just kind of listen to the muse and mm-hmm. you follow that kind of vibe, you can kind of get through. It. I mean, obviously, you can't sort of like tell. The, an un you know, specified length of a story in an anthology because you do have a, a structure there but um i think it's great that you sat down and you were kind of you know kind of riffing in your storytelling but you knew you had these sort of pivotal moments that had mm. to be expressed within the story
1: uh, yeah because i had i had like a detailed outline and mm-hmm. again like certain pieces of texts and certain moments then yeah. you had to be in there so
0: there was a structure in that way. Do you? Um, I'm so oh, sorry. No, no. I'm so curious. So, like, like, so here I'm thinking. I'm. I. I what I like to do is I like to put myself like in your <laughs> in your shoes, you know, or in your in your in your chair. And I go, okay. Well, how would I like if I was doing that? Like, I would then have. I would have to have like a wall with these pieces up there, like I've been drawing, so I can look at the story, like, and see how it flows. Like, did you did you did you sort of have a board or did you? Um,
1: I. Th- this is gonna sound silly, but like in my little Finder folder, I made the the pages about as large as I could make them, like the little icons. Uh huh. So then it was easy to just scroll through everything and like see them in like their totality, sort
0: of. Yeah. Okay. So you. Um,
1: use- oh, <laughs> so no- it, was, it was kind of like a digital board because I didn't have that much printed out, and right. a lot of it was kind of like rearranged digitally. Yeah. And a lot of it was like, um, like I'd had about I have a bunch of pages, and then I kind of realized that, oh, this type of dialogue kind of reoccurs over there. So I can go back and change that one piece of it. So it's not the same, you know. Um, so I tried to like constantly adjust little things to just make it flow.
0: <laughs> no, it's interesting
1: this, like, this is like such a dumb approach I'm so sorry I'm telling you about this no
0: no I mean I, listen I think it's fascinating and I'm sure I'm sure met plenty of people who are creating their own stuff like find it fascinating because everybody kind of does it different we all solve like it's the freaking bread clip okay yeah it's the bread exactly
1: clip. It's, it's, it's the same problem but the
0: same people. problem is make a comic book you and know I, I
1: don't I don't think I've had the exact same workflow for two projects ever This is going to sound insane. Like, um, the thing I'm working on right now, the little Patreon comic Mm -hmm. I have, uh, that one is kind of like the thing you said with, like, doing the thumbnails and writing down the dialogue alongside the thumbnails. Yep. uh, Which I feel kind of works better than just writing the dialogue first and then trying to force it onto a page, you know? Okay, that makes sense. Um, But then also... uh, I accidentally said yes to doing something for Fantagraphics.
0: Okay.
1: Like, I, I don't know how I don't know how they are with like talking about projects that don't exist.
0: Right. Well, you don't have to be very specific.
1: I, I, I guess they're not like an animation studio because they haven't forced me to sign an NDA or anything. Right. Okay. I don't know why I'm paranoid about this, um, but obviously that one is like, I think part of why I find it so daunting is I mean, there's like an actual editor involved, <laughs> not just someone like pointing out my spelling errors, which it, is almost always welcome, but. Is this
0: the first time that you're working with an editor?
1: Yeah, like a proper editor. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, it feels really exotic. I mean, okay, for some of the, the ontologies, they did have, have proper editors, mm-hmm. I guess, who are just like other comics people. Right. So, um, and Pao, always had some tiny bit of editorial control i know there's like stuff they wanted me to redo instead just because they felt it didn't read right mm-hmm. and they were probably right about that but now it's like this early in my process i'm usually not forced to explain to another person like why this is making sense in my head yeah and it's been like this really strange i mean i've only, only exchanged like a small number of emails with yeah. this person and he's really nice and he offers really great critiques. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I kind of have li- have to live up to those expectations of like doing something that's you know from day one is like really structured and yeah, yeah, yeah. makes some kind of sense, you know.
0: I, I, I instead no,
1: I, of having it like come about as I go along
0: yeah yeah like because you kind of discover these sort of these things as you kind of go through the process on your own yeah. not maybe not everything, but you definitely find a lot of things you you can kind of see all the lumps in your you know in your clay you know you go oh mm. i gotta I gotta smooth that out or whatever yeah. uh, you know i i i I gone through this whole process right with writing my my novel I had all my readers I did all this stuff, and you know everything was going along hunky-dory fine. And I did another pass to kind of clean up a lot of language and do some touch ups. And then I, I met this writer who, was a, who we became friends and she's like, Oh, I'd love to read, you know, where you are in the book. And I said, sure. And so I, I gave her things. She ordered a copy, just a reader copy. This isn't for sale. So she read a, you know, a proofing copy and she has sent the most detailed notes back on the book, which is humbling because I'm like, Mm. I thought I had done all this amazing work, you know, and everybody had said like, you've done some amazing work here. Um, and she's not saying you haven't done amazing work, but she's saying like, I don't understand this. Why is this this way? And some of the things she's asking about, I'm like, you know, like, you know, something really simple, like, Oh, you know, like, wait, you're saying a fighter jet can outperform a, a, a fancy private thing i'm like well yeah a, a fighter jet is the fastest thing that we have around you know it gets it gets from here to there faster than something else and so but like that's okay but i'm like but like you i'm like i need to step up to this challenge like somebody has said it's not perfect because inside we're like hey you got to make this perfect you know mm. and i go oh okay it's not and i'm not going like damn it i quit i'm like okay like challenge yeah accept- I'm going to make this better now, but I'm going to make it better. And I'm like, so appreciative, Even though like, I'd have loved this a year ago, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm glad to have it now. Um, and it's super exciting to when, so the, the idea of, it sounds exciting to me that you're embracing, you know, this new variable, which is another person who is really interceding in your creative process, um, you know.
1: Yeah, I should I should be a lot more active on this project right now because they seem genuinely interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, like earlier before Christmas, I said yes to another ontology thing, which has been an absolute slog. And it's turning <laughs> out nicely, but I've done like a couple of pages and then sure. another couple of pages, you know? Yeah. Um, so I feel like if I can get it done next week, I can like actually dedicate myself to this graphics thing. Mm-hmm yeah i think i think part of it is just having animator brain and feeling like you know people come to you for like some kind of project yeah and if you can't accommodate what they want it's like that's kind of unprofessional and i i want to be professional so
0: yeah that's that's interesting do you so you you know you said a couple different things and I'm, i'm i'm interested in in i'm going to guess, I would like, I'm going to be here already, write down my answer of what I think you're going to say. Oh, right? wow.
1: I what? This is going to be exciting.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, misspelled that. There we go. All right. <laughs> All right. Here's the question do you do you draw stuff traditionally with you know uh, pencil pen ink you know brush and or do you do yourself digitally uh
1: mostly traditionally um and then uh, it's it's usually a mix i usually start out with like uh, pen and ink or mm-hmm. just pen and pen um yeah. And then, uh, like obviously, lots of colors are in Photoshop, but like gray tones in Photoshop. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't I, really have the energy to do traditional gray tones. It
0: oof. Yeah. Feels no.
1: terrifying.
0: Some people are really good at it. Uh, yeah. Like you know, uh, I don't know if you know who Dave Johnson is, but he's a he he can just do he can do a beautiful piece, you know, ink it, and it's this gorgeous thing, and he'll just put a nice gray tone wash on there, and it it's and it looks perfect. He's hmm my answer was it depends on the project um, so because i thought like you were like because listening to you and your in your writing process and your whole overall creative process I thought like you're like well some projects i just want to you know like it makes hmm. sense to do it digitally or or not but um
1: actually I've, I've had more thoughts of like trying to get back to doing more stuff digitally because obviously when i was doing more animation stuff i did mm-hmm. more stuff digitally because like otherwise you get of paper. Yes you do. But a couple of years ago I got a puppy and the puppy ate the cable for my Cintiq and my Cintiq was like eight, nine, ten years old. I think I got it when I was 18 or something. So yeah it was probably like ten years old. So I couldn't find a proper cable to it. Oh my god. Um, Like that type of cable didn't exist anymore. Right. Um, it it did exist, but it was hard to find, and that I felt like okay, it's so old anyway. So I'm just gonna get a new one, and then I haven't gotten around to getting a new one. (laughs) I'm
0: I'm sensing, I'm I'm sensing the theme here, Linnea. Like I've gotten around to that. Um, so you, but you've adapted. So wait, okay. So wait, this is so this is curious. Okay, so you're if you're drawing your black and white artwork traditionally. But you're coloring in Photoshop. But your Cintiq was eaten by the dog um, slash puppy. Um, you're are you coloring using just the trackpad or a mouse?
1: Uh, I do have a tiny little Wacom tablet. Okay. that's not super good. But I use right. it sometimes if my if my wrists are acting up. You know, uh-huh. uh, I know. Sometimes I'm just lazy and I'm just laying in bed and using the trackpad, which I feel is is like from a ergonomics perspective, it's like the worst thing to do. Probably. So I'm trying to get away from that.
0: Yeah, I would think. But, uh, so. I would, wait, is it the laying in the bed doing the work? Is the is the? I, I guess I guess the trackpad part is. is oh, the trackpad. Okay, yeah. I've, I've
1: heard that's terrible for your wrists. But yeah. I don't know.
0: I've done a few things, not like nothing, you know, work wise, but I've had to do a few like maybe like graphic or art changes for stuff that we've done for the what you know for the uh, the podcast, and I'll do some like edit- editing on some piece of artwork that we needed for something, and I will like oh, I don't want to go in and hook my computer up to the Cintiq, I just I'll sit here. and you're sitting there with your finger on the trackpad and yeah 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 that's it's hard to, <laughs> hard to draw paths with your finger I'll, yeah I'll...
1: but if it's if it's just filling in like an area that's supposed to be gray it's yes. it's not that awful really it, it probably is awful again from like an ergonomics perspective but yeah. like from an art perspective i feel like i've gotten kind of good at it <laughs> I, ha- I had a bunch of color pages for the little Patreon comics that I posted some weeks ago, and like all of those are all trackpad because I was too lazy to go downstairs and get my tiny welcome tablet.
2: That's awesome. I love it. Um, I love um, that.
1: I, f- I feel like whenever people ask about like my actual material process, it's like people expect it to be fancier than it really yeah. is. Like like the paper I'm inking on, I have absolutely no idea what brand it is. It's just like this kind of thick uh, printer paper that I get at like a computer hardware store because my village doesn't have an art supply store. (laughs) And that's kind of the level I'm operating on.
0: Um, Well, it's not, you know, here's the thing. Like, I think we want to romanticize, like the thing that the people who we love and what they do, like we want to romanticize all aspects of that. Like Mm. you want to think like, you know oh this writer sits in this this wood-lined room with books everywhere and at this large oak table and yeah. white, you know with a view of the nature you know nature or the or barcelona yeah, there's
1: there's definitely like an aesthetic of being a writer that i feel most writers probably don't live up to and No, same with artists
0: it's called coffee shops um and <laughs> you know and it's like you know but it's like same thing with artists like i when i met my um my, you know, my, my mentor who really was, you know, I was, I idolized this person as an artist and granted this person uses, used a, a brush, you know, with ink, you know, an actual like large size eight brush for inking. And that was, you know, mind blowing, but oh. I'm like, Oh, what, what kind of pencil do you use? <laughs> and he pulls out like a regular yellow number two pencil. He's like, there you go. And I'm like, and what do you draw? And he's like, well, I draw most everything on, tra- you know, typing paper, and then I'll just light box it through or what? And I'm like, this, you know, I was, I wanted to be like, I wanted like this little box to open up with this glowing, you know, pencil, but no, it was just a regular number two. Yeah. So. I yeah. see
1: this a lot on, on Instagram with art people, like. You know, like all their perfect little supplies and like a tidy workspace. And some of these people yes. are genuinely talented, so I don't want to shit on them. Mm. Um, but no. it's like, um, I so admire how dedicated you are to the aesthetic of being an artist. Yes. And especially the people who are generally good at it. Like, how, how do you find the time to both make art and like be an artist in right. the aesthetic sense? You know? Right, and make it
0: look cool and good. Yeah. And
1: like there's this... Uh, This sort of American superhero artist I follow who does everything digitally, and he has this setup with like multiple little screens and everything, and it's almost like this gamer type setup. Like he's doing something very high tech, right? But the very high tech thing is like inking superhero comics on a screen.
0: Yeah, well, it's
1: it's so impressive that I I don't know why it's impressive, but it's impressive to me. But
0: it's I mean it's branding, you know. I mean, yeah, exactly. People are, you know, some people are very naturally gifted at branding themselves and positioning themselves, um, you know, and then like you can also be completely unvarnished and kind of put your thing out there with very little fanfare and still get a huge response to it. So I think it's, Mm. you know, I think I, I, you know, I don't know if that, I don't know if, if what they are doing and I'm not pointing at fingers is that they I don't think that they're selling so much i think that they're they're, i think they're trying to clarify um i mean i
1: think i think there's like a lot of just identity building in it like not necessarily in a commercial branding sense but like in the sense of just showing the world this is the sort of person i am
0: yeah yeah you like
1: buy into these aesthetics around art and writing that aren't necessarily like Useful in the actual creative process, but it's useful in making yourself feel like a creative person. I guess yeah. no, if no, it I, works, for, I, I mean, whatever works for people.
0: You know? Oh, for sure, and I think I think that's I mean I think that's the case. I mean, it also it's also informative because if you are seeing the tools that the person did the drawing with, you can, you know, if you're trying to figure out how to do this stuff for yourself, you're like, oh, what kind of pen is that? Maybe I could
2: yeah.
0: try one of those pens, and you know, and next thing you know, you found the pen that works best for you, uh, mm. or it doesn't um so what like what kind i mean so let's let's hear let's hear what's what's the magic pen for you
1: oh my god i usually have like a little mechanical pen whatever sort you know Mm -hmm. uh just the ones i get at the supermarket but then i make sure the leads are this is very specific but pilot the eno 0.72b
0: okay (laughs) No, no, no. I. I it, it uh, for who knows? I mean, it's it's.
1: They they sell those at. the... Oh, sorry.
0: It's it's like Dragon Ball Z talk. You know, like everybody who's on the inside understands what you just said. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they sell those at the, There's like a chain of bookstores in Sweden, and like a nearby bigger town mm-hmm. has them. Um. Or ha- has one of those bookstores, and that bookstore has those types of leads. So what's been happening for a while now is I get there like once or twice a year and I just buy up their entire stock. (laughs) Uh, There's usually like 20 of them laying around. Um, And I I know, I I mean, I'm also I've, I've always been very into like this UFO stuff, you know, and people I don't necessarily believe in it, but I find the culture around it fascinating. And I remember this story, there's like, I I don't remember the name of the guy, but some guy who had written a book about like aliens living among humans. You know, there's a big thing about aliens disguising themselves as people. And there was like this story of a guy going into a restaurant and like ordering meat and potatoes and peas like a normal dinner. And then sitting there with a knife and like you know taking each individual pea like impaling it and eating it and eating them all separately and this guy writing the book who was telepathic Mm -hmm. could tell this guy was an alien Alien. from outer space and that's why he didn't know how to use a knife or something like that Mm -hmm. and sometimes i feel like if there's like a self-proclaimed telepathic person seeing me walk into this bookstore and just sort of awkwardly taking all these leads and just like Going and buying them and making sure I get the receipt, and then right. you know you're stuffing them into my jacket pockets or right. <laughs> whatever. It's but, like that—that yeah. that telepathic person would almost certainly like really yeah. of so me that I was—I was from a little planet or something.
0: It made me think. Maybe think briefly that you know here we are. This is this is the arrogance of being human. It's like aliens are going to fly, fly. They're going to travel here from across the universe, you know, in obviously very sophisticated fashions, which we don't even comprehend. And they're gonna come here and they're gonna disguise themselves as us. That would be like us trying to disguise ourselves as like ground worms and hanging out with ground worms underground and like yeah. expecting them to think that we're blending in.
1: No, but that's that's part of what's so charming about these alien stories, that they always humanize the aliens to that yeah. degree. like. So many. I mean, I mean, so many people who claim to have seen aliens. It's just like, oh, they're Nordic aliens. They look like Scandinavians. Oh, Um, so so they're not like they're not even alien. They're just like this weird ideal of an alien or something. Yeah, yeah. And I I mean, in one sense, it's a total lack of imagination, I guess, Mm -hmm. which is sad because usually these stories are pretty outlandish, but they're also very so informed by pop culture and so informed by like this very anthropocentric yeah. view of the universe where huh. like aliens are going to come here and they're going to be just people from other planets, like literally just it's,
0: people. I, what, it's, what, it's, what is this very interesting to me is that, you know, it, it, often, you know, people will say like, well, I'm, I'm into science and I believe in aliens and, you know, and I don't mm. believe in religion. Okay, cool. Great. But why is it now like why is it about us again? Like, why is why is aliens have to be about us? I mean, like, would we be going to another planet and not disguising ourselves as those people and trying to pretend to be them? I don't know. Isn't don't...
1: that the whole plot of Avatar? Like, this guy is on this other planet and he just has his mind downloaded yeah. into this fake blue space creature or something. Right.
0: I get, But that was all for war.
1: Yeah, that's that true. And, like, of... colonization and stuff.
0: Yeah, so... Bad. That's dark. Yeah. Darker, darker theme for sure. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: so, okay. So you, you said, so, <laughs> no, no, black artwork fan. by, you know, by hand, scan it, color it with your finger. So your finger <laughs> painting, exciting stuff. Um, and so I, and then it's all in Photoshop. That's cool.
1: Yeah. I have, I use Photoshop CS5. Okay. Uh, a friend helped me get it to work. Yeah. on my computer yeah. using some kind of weird little thing that's you know math. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm not using like the the proper newer version. but I feel like you, you know the thing with like it's supposed to be like this subscription thing and it's constantly yeah. updating to newer version versions, plural. Um, yeah. And I feel like nothing has happened in Photoshop technology in like the last 10 years that's useful to me, so they're
0: not, Yeah, they, I'm we, not
1: paying for it.
0: They're not really, it's not very helpful for comic book artists, I can tell you that for sure. Um, I actually switched over. I don't really do a ton of drawing, but um, I switched over and I purchased um, Clip Studio. And um, boy, that, it's so much more fun to draw with Clip Studio than it is mm. with Photoshop. Um, yeah, I, mean, you, I, I
1: guess it's just like a familiarity thing. It was like when I was a kid, my mom got like a crazy expensive Macintosh computer Mm -hmm. in like the early, mid-90s sort of. Um, So I think it's just a comfort thing. to have like an oldish version of Photoshop. (laughs) It's like what I've been using since I was a kid. But I've I've never been like technically good at using Photoshop. It's always been like this sort of, you put a three-year-old in front of Adobe will be Photoshop
0: and they have to figure out how it works and, you know, yeah, hey, I know I'm 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 way more comfortable in Photoshop still, you know, I mean, it is the environment I've been in for 20 years, 20 plus years, whatever the, you know, it's a it's comfortable. Um, but the tools that they are have developed, you know, for the newer programs are better. They're just they're mm. more because it's it's made for making comic books. So, yeah. you know, duh, it works better. Um
1: that makes sense. Yeah,
0: like panel borders. They like you can actually just bang, it makes panel borders for you. So that's
1: great.
0: Yeah. Cheating
1: though.
0: Cheating, a ruler is cheating if you want a straight line.
1: Nothing I'm doing is cheating. What other people are doing is cheating. There you go. No. I, like
0: I like that attitude. So, no. Um well what so like first off, like let, let you make sure we know every turn to cassette. That's a de in the middle, so turn the cassette. Yeah, I it's I everywhere. don't know
1: what that name came for it from exactly. It's it's a dumb name.
0: Yeah, but it, you're I'm stuck. So with, sorry. You're stuck with it like forever. I think. Yeah. I think that's how the internet works. Whatever whatever you have is what you're stuck with. Yeah,
1: and also like my real human name is out there. That's kind of terrifying. I wish I'd written everything on some kind of pseudonym and like in this. Racially and gender neutral, sort of person that no one knows who, where they live or <laughs> right. who they are or
0: anything. Banksy, you could be the Banksy of the you could yeah. For all we know, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, there, it it's interesting how those are considerations now. You know that like that's a consideration that people have to kind of put it you know put into their head of like, what do I want this to be? Um, hmm. But so that's so they can find you on Instagram. There they can find you Patreon with the same handle.
1: Yeah, I just started doing like a little comic that I'm probably gonna put like put out a few pages every month. I that's... think I I think the official promise was something between four and sixteen pages. So I hope I can keep up with that. <laughs> uh, four pages shouldn't be too much. No, yeah. but you can read it for like a dollar on Patreon.
0: So. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, that's I think Patreon's fantastic. I, I mean, I think if you can find the right thing that's for you on your creative for your creative, you know, sort of mm-hmm. workflow i think it's i think it's brilliant i think mm. it's uh it's a great way to directly engage with your you know your you know the people who like what you do
1: yeah um, i mostly felt like I, I wanted to like promise people something so i have to like actually do it somebody that's just like working in isolation on a project yeah. you know i think
0: it's i think it's i mean i i think having an external um thing is super important mm. to create a process i think that we I mean, like, what? what is it? You know, the I don't know how the, the thing goes, but like, every, the one thing every creative wants is a deadline. Yeah. Because without that deadline, man, we are just going to stew in our juices forever. It's mm. cause because
1: it was like, uh, I had to, I mean, first off, I now I have like a set amount of pages I have to do no uh-huh. matter what. And then I also had to like force myself to get in touch with this guy who's a writer. So just so I could have someone to proofread it for yep. me and make sure like since people are paying for this I want it to be like not full of spelling errors or like right. unreadable dialogue and stuff yeah so it was kind of like putting some pressure on myself to do something and do it somewhat properly yeah or, like make something readable
0: I see I I, I wholeheartedly agree I mean it, it is it, it's like you need to expand your capacity like what is the thing that's going to push you to do the next thing better and yeah. like, everything is a sort of a step, hopefully, is a step up. Um, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, then
1: we turn into Morrissey and we get old and problematic.
0: Oh, yeah. Well. I'm I, sorry. <laughs> I'm, well, listen, I'm halfway there with my name, so I'm, I'm on the
1: Oh, oh right. Right. Um, that's, that's how we got into that conversation.
0: Oh, yeah. The, the, yeah, that um, makes no sense to anybody else. No, no, no that was before,
1: before you hit whatever.
0: Yeah, it's. We okay. hit the buttons. that'll be a, that'll be on our Patreon. Oh, so. Um, <laughs> so, OK, so there's a secret project for Fantagraphics. We're not going to talk about it, but it's it's out there and it's going to be brilliant. Right. Just hopefully. A, there you
1: I, go. I hope the Fantagraphics man hasn't forgotten about this. Uh, Conrad at Fantagraphics, if you're yeah. listening to this, I'm, right I'm alive. On.
0: We'll 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 at them and hashtag them. So they'll. they'll oh, uh, oh, my God. Yeah. I'm, whatever. Um, and then you have a I guess you're working on an anthology project. That's so that'll Yeah,
1: be- that's like a tiny one for oh my god, what's even the name of the anthology? It's a bunch of people in Japan. Oh cool. <laughs> okay.
0: I think um, it'll be easy to find. Just type yeah, in it's, anthology. It's
1: gonna turn up somehow.
0: Okay. Well I'm sure you'll post it somewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably on the Instagram. Okay. I mean, that's me, like my main social media thing right now.
0: It's 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 the easiest one i'll say yeah. that it really is easy yeah
1: it's it's just a world of pictures it's mm-hmm.
0: yeah and it's not very it's easy to with. Very little discourse it's just throw a picture up there and yeah go you know, day done next yeah i'm, I, I'm a fan nice. of it in that respect it's very good for artists
1: it's probably terrible if you're like a young person comparing yourself to other like attractive young people and that's yeah. your entire instagram experience that's probably terrifying but for like art stuff it's amazing
0: I agree. I agree. Let's yeah. let's yeah. Let's keep it not personal. Let's just make it about the things that we do. Uh, yeah,
1: exactly. Like uh, post dog pictures or whatever.
0: Yeah, or dogs, cats, whatever, whatever animals suit you, or frogs, mm. um, whatever, whatever suits you. Um, I think that's about it. Um, oh yeah. You... Yeah. Sure. <laughs> All right. I just want to make sure. Um mm. Lene, thank you so much for being a part of this. It was really wonderful to meet you, to talk with you. It went fine. We laughed. We had a great time. Huh? <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Oh, wow. Now she sounds unconvinced.
1: No, I'm, I didn't mean it like that. No, no. that's great. It's great. Yeah.
0: No, no. So yeah. find Linnea, turn the cassette anywhere. Um, she's out there. Uh, find us at Big Story Pod. And thank you all for tuning in.